what do you think happens after death? If you have no opinion, I just, I don't know. I want to know just your opinion. What, what really is it? My opinion is that science backs up that energy can't be created or destroyed. So uh, we don't know where it goes or what happens. I like the mystery and uh, I, my faith that uh, this energy that we exist, that we have, like our, our soul, you might say, uh, I don't think it's something that can be destroyed, this electricity in our body. Yeah. And uh, whatever, wherever you choose to think that it goes, that's, that's on you. I just, I like the mystery. Yeah. Interesting. Do you have any sort of maybe religious background or anything like that? The fact that I'm part of this uh, civilization, it's inescapable that my background would be uh, Christian-based, and more specifically because my, I think, German roots, yeah. there's that Protestant ethic that uh, guides at least very strongly one side of my family, less strong the other, but they still re it represent the, that foundation. We're coming up on uh, Halloween. Halloween, did you know that's actually the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the, Catholic, to the church in Germany, where he actually protested the Catholic Church? Have you ever heard of the Protestant Reformation? I have heard of the Protestant Reformation. What do you know about it? Well, I didn't know that he chose that day. That's interesting. But uh, I know that, at least what I know, is, uh, or I can remember, is that it was important for him that we can sort of read yeah. the word and be able to preach and commune i forgot what like um the word i'm looking for is but we we don't need a specific church a specific place mm -hmm. to be a christian mm -hmm. to be to have that relationship with god yeah. which is uh, i think a problem at that time where people they felt that they were buying their way into heaven kind of you know with kickbacks to the church or something like that so uh, that's what I understand. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Um, you mentioned the Bible being the Word. Do you believe it to be the Word of God? That's tough in that I feel like humans are an expression of God and everything that we see and feel is an expression of what the concept of God. Yeah. So when, I, when, you say, when you ask that question, is the Bible the Word of God, I, I can't say no. Um, but I understand it's a kind of a loaded concept to, when, you know, even the, one of the oldest games that children play is uh, telephone. Mm. And so when we're taking the word <laughs> as it's written down from people who, uh, of course, are fallible, yeah. um, I think uh, sometimes the waters can kind of become muddied with mm. uh, the message. Yeah. Um, Changed but, over the years, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I think that it's appropriate to consider that, yes, it is the Word of God. However, the fact that it's written down by humans, no matter how uh, well-intentioned, uh, sometimes the interpretations that we have can yeah. be. All right, pause. In this moment when I was interviewing this uh, gentleman, I realized I was kind of in a fork in the road right here. Did I want to get into a conversation about the transmission of the text, different manuscripts, and how we got the Bible today, and point out some of the flaws that he shared right there? Or did I want to kind of transition the conversation into the gospel? I was in a little bit of a predicament. I chose in this situation to just continue and share the gospel. But I thought about apologetically attacking what he said right there. He brought up the, uh, the telephone game argument which simply is this, if you didn't catch it, that the Bible that we have today has changed throughout the years. How do we know 
the manuscripts that we have or the Bible we have would match up with the manuscripts back in the day. How do we know the game of telephone has not been played? After all, you play telephone, it just takes about one or two people and they can mess up the entire message. How do we know that has not happened with the Bible? You know, that's a very good question, but the thing is there are answers to this. Quick answer. In order to do that, well, it's assuming that one person was in control of the Bible at all times. The argument assumes one person was in control. But what do we know about the New Testament rather than one person being in control of it at one time? As soon as the apostles penned the words through the superintending of the Holy Spirit, it spread like wildfire. The manuscripts were tried to be suppressed under the rule of Nero. They, they, the amount of manuscripts that were burnt is insane and destroyed is insane. We should not have the Bible. Just the preservation of the word is an attestation that it is the word of God. It is beautiful how we still have it. It's not like one person was in control, able to monitor the changes, able to change it. Rather, there are so many manuscripts. We have something like 5,000 manuscripts just of the New Testament. Also, we have stuff like the Dead Sea Scrolls to go back and compare the Old Testament. We have so many resources. Christianity truly is intelligent. So I wasn't stumped at this guy's argument, this accusation against the Bible, but rather I realize at heart, this man is a sinner and what he needs to see is the reality that he is a sinner in light of the holiness of God. So I chose to share the gospel with him, which is important. Interesting. Have you ever looked at maybe what the Bible says on how does one get to heaven? I don't suppose I've really had to look far into it because it's a common thing that people bring up Hmm. when they contact you you're at the front door your front door or on the street or something like that they'll yeah. say in passage this that and the other thing yeah. and uh yeah <laughs> so so what is is the overall uh i guess message that the bible says on what happens after death heaven and hell is there anything else um what is the christian message do you know i guess i can't say specifically yeah. um you know as long as you have confessed that uh, Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, and you believe that, and with your and you're not lukewarm. Yeah. I think that's a, a key a key thing. You know, there's no quibbling. You have to be hot for God, and I don't know, so, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of thought that as long as you do that and you're a strong believer, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that yeah. you're pretty much good. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. The the Bible actually, it gives, so there's two scenarios. I'm sure you've heard of heaven and there's hell, right? Um, And the Bible describes um, what does man, what do we as as a collective people deserve? It it actually says in Romans chapter 3 that no one is good, not even one. What do you think that means? We have an innate sort of sin Mm -hmm. in us. And because of that, we have to recognize that and uh, we, I think we've been we've looking for that means to towards like reconciliation of that sin, and I think that um, Jesus was a, a an, an interesting phenomena to have happened in our society because, well, it really helped out a lot of sheep, yeah. <laughs> sacrifice and all that stuff like that. But anyways, yeah, um, really quick, just the Bible gives this word called the law. 
Um, and I think it goes into the idea of no one being good. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments, also known as the Law of God? Yes. How many do you think you could name? It's okay. Good eight. <laughs> yeah. Can you give me just one of them? Uh, yeah. Uh, shall not commit adultery. <laughs> shall not commit adultery. Have you ever done that before? Well, I've never been married, right? Uh, yeah. um, it's interesting when, when we hear that term, shall not commit adultery, we can easily think to ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm good on that one, I'm not married. I may have slept with a married man's wife, however, so that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's also fascinating when you look at what Jesus said about that verse, you shall not commit adultery. You, you know, have you ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? In uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus, he grabs that verse where it says, you shall not commit adultery, and he brings it to a higher standard. He says, You've heard it said from them of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you even look upon a woman and lust after her in your heart or in your mind, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. What do you think about that? I really, I, I like that. That, that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, with my background as a ballet dancer, I've worked really closely with a lot of beautiful women, yeah. but it's, it's interesting respecting their soul and yeah. like respecting their beauty and like, working with them. And you know, it's, I don't remember that lust, lustful feeling. I, I know that we can be around beautiful women and not lust after them. Um, and it's funny, our uh, aesthetic ideals of what women would, what they, women themselves desire to look like. They're, it's like they're looking for that lustful eye, yeah. which I find odd mm -hmm. uh, from, from my, my experiences. Like that's, uh, to me, the, the quality of, of a woman is not, her posterior, you know, like not what, like not like the gym yeah. things that they're after, but it's something much deeper and uh, just off, off of what you said. But anyways, in the Sermon on the Mount, I yeah. thought that that's an interesting yeah. t take on it. it. It really shows that Jesus doesn't just see who you're with, but who you want to be with. And he sees your intentions and your mindset. Another one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not lie. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's almost asking like, do you have red blood in your veins? You know, we're human beings. Another one says, you shall not say the Lord's name in vain. That's, that's an interesting when I was a little kid yeah. if you know if I say like I oh, my mom would always yell at me yeah. for stuff like that for sure you know I'm not judging you but but by your own admission we, we see that you're an adulterer um, we see that you are a liar and we see that you are a blasphemer and, and I think when you look at what it says about blasphemy in the Bible it says God's enemies take his name in vain you know blasphemy was actually punishable by death in the Old Testament which is very interesting, which just shows that God highly exalts his own name and it shouldn't be used like a filth word. And so really, I'm not trying to judge you, but I'm just trying to show you that when we look at ourselves, when we look at our, our nature in light of what scripture says, really we're not good people. Right here, my mic randomly cut out and uh, I got it going again, but I just asked him if uh, he would consider himself to be a good person. Uh, as, as far as if I'm a good person or not, you know, one of my favorite people to listen to a few years ago, I went down a rabbit hole with like Alan Watts, and it made a lot of sense to me in that I do I consider myself like a good person? Do I want to be a good person? Not really. I want to be an okay person. You know, I want to be okay. I don't want to be good or bad. I just want to be okay. <laughs> um, so does that concern you when we look at, I guess, what we've done? We looked at, at the law, the Ten Commandments, and we see that we have broken it. Does it concern you to think, when you get to heaven, God's going to judge us on this, the Ten Commandments, and we know that we've broken them. Is that concerning at all? 
Not really. Hmm. I mean, we, uh, as they say, we we're put, made in his image. And like I mentioned about like the energy and I think it, it would be, it's, it's upsetting to do poorly on a test, hmm. but I've never done bad on a test that I thought like that bad on a test that like if I failed, I've known that, oh, there's a reason why that happened. Um, but you know, you keep going. And when I think that, like my interpretation of do I feel bad about how we, we've done on the, like I think we could do bad. just because we we've broken the law of God and the reason why I think it is concerning is because the Bible says that God is a just judge meaning he will punish sin where it's found and the problem is like it says in Romans 3 that no one is good and we've all broken the law of God and if this is true that Jesus is a just judge and it says that he will judge the world in righteousness and the problem is none of us are good enough to get to heaven does that make sense yes it makes sense yeah and so if God were to judge us by the 10 commandments the reality is we would end up in hell so do you know if I were to ask you uh, as we're, as we're finishing up here do you know what God did for guilty sinners so that we don't have to go to hell Provided Jesus Christ. Yeah. What, what do you know about Jesus? Tripartite soul, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so actually, Orthodox, I guess, classic Christian teaching would teach that um, you mentioned the Trinity, um, that Jesus is not the manifestation of all three, but rather there's three parts: the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity. So rather than, um, I don't know if you see that difference, but um, anywho, Jesus Christ came into this world. <sighs> Unfortunately, my microphone went out just as I was sharing the gospel. It went for like 13 minutes. And then just as I'm getting to the gospel, it shuts out. Well, he was able to hear the gospel and did share it with him. And for the sake of getting it out there, I would like to share it with you, even though it went out. The gospel is simply this, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who created this world by speaking it into existence. It says in John chapter 1 that apart from him, nothing was made that was made. He came into this world and he lived a perfect life. Meaning, the Ten Commandments that I went through earlier in the podcast. The Ten Commandments, the ones that we've all broken. Jesus Christ never broke one. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways and yet without sin. He was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. Jesus Christ was perfect. It says in Matthew chapter 5 that he fulfilled the law. He perfectly kept the law in his mind with his actions. And the perfect keeping of the law made him the perfect sacrifice on the cross. And that's what that was. The famous story that we know about Jesus Christ, he died on the cross, was so important because... He lived a perfect life. He was righteous in the sight of God. Because he was righteous in the sight of God, he could represent the sinner. He could represent the sinner. Him being God, perfectly fulfilling the law, represented the sinner 
who would place their faith in him. And on this cross, he bore the wrath of Almighty God for all those who would believe on him. In a couple hours, he bore an eternal amount of punishment. His last words on the cross were, it is finished or paid in full, paid in full. How marvelous is that? He didn't say, I am finished, but it is finished. There is a work being done, a work being done, work namely appeasing the wrath of the father. And once he died, he was buried in a tomb. Then he rose from the dead in triumphant glory, proving that he was in fact who he said he was, the son of God. And now the call goes out to you. What are you going to do about his work, the finished work on the cross? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to bow your knee in submission to him, recognizing that you are in opposition with your maker, that apart from this work, you will be in hell? If it wasn't for his sustaining grace, you would be there already. But God made this way, made this way of escape, and he offers it. The call goes out. Repent of your sin. Have a change of mind. Change your mind on who you want to live for. Change your mind and stop sinning. This doesn't mean be perfect, but rather you will be so in love with God because he did so much for you. You'll be so in love with God because he is so glorious and his grace is bestowed to you that you don't want to use his grace as a license to sin. And you must recognize that there is no work you can do to inherit eternal life. There's nothing you can do to add upon the work of Christ. Christ was already perfect. He already fulfilled the law. And if you thought that you can fulfill the law on your own, then Christ died in vain. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We can be righteous because of the work of another. Because of the righteousness of Christ, we can be righteous. Because he died on the cross and bore our sin, we can get to heaven. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And this is what I shared with this gentleman on that day. We all need to be thinking about this. What would it profit a man if he gains the entire world and yet forfeits his own soul? 150,000 people die every single day. That's 54 million every single year. Most of these people, they're planning for tomorrow, but it never comes. It never comes. If you walk around a cemetery, I encourage you to pause to look at these tombstones and try to find ones that are close to your age to remind you that this could be your last day. So get right with God right now. And so the interview ended with us shaking hands. We went our way and he thanked me for coming up to him. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'll see you next time.